and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. Kirk, I wanted to get you on, not just because, you know, obviously the Blazers are playing the Mavs twice back-to-back this weekend on Saturday and Sunday, and I, whenever they're playing another one of the West playoff hopefuls, I like to kind of do a bigger picture, you know, what's going on with this team type of thing. But I also thought it would be kind of instructive to my audience, because right now, like, as we're recording this, we're recording this on Friday afternoon, uh, the 13th of January. The Blazers just lost to Cleveland last night. They've lost five in a row. They're currently 11th in the West. And people are not really happy. You know, I I, I see my mentions. I see what's going on on social media. Uh, Things are not great right now in the Blazers' uh, corner of the internet, if you will. The Mavericks are fourth in the West. They've won... They just won an overtime game against the uh, Lakers last night. Luka is having an absolutely insane season. He's an MVP candidate. But I've been, you know, reading coverage of the team. I've listened to a couple of recent episodes of your Mavs Moneyball podcast uh, this morning before you and I jumped on. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it doesn't, you know, they're, it, just on paper, it looks like they're doing pretty well and... Just from what I've been reading, nobody's happy. People seem like they're just like freaking out about like about stuff just like Blazer fans are when they're losing, when they're winning. So like what what's going on here? Like t- like just kind of fill me in. So right before Christmas, the team played uh, against the Minnesota Timberwolves, another uh-huh. team that's just sort of flailing in the wind. Yeah. Luka yeah, gets we ejected. Had, we, had Chris, we had Chris Hine on earlier to talk about the Timberwolves, yeah. Luca gets ejected and it puts a stop to this like pretty cool, like 25 point streak that had been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. And the Mavs were under 500 head coach, Jason Kidd, you know, stands there with his hands in his pockets. He gets ejected for the first time. And it's like the vibes were really, really awful. Mm-hmm. And then starting on Christmas day, they play the Lakers or they, well, they played the wolves again, beat the wolves who were under 500 at the time. Then they, they started like a, a six game stretch against all these horrendous teams. They play the Rockets three times. So they went seven in a row. First seven in a row uh, winning streaks since 2011 title season. Um, kind of crazy to think about over, you know, it's 11 years with some of the teams they had. They never won seven games in a row. You know, teams just get lucky right. sometimes. And yeah. It happens. Yeah. But the vibe during that was not great because it required Lucas scoring 50 points or more three times, <laughs> including that incredible 60-point triple-double against the Knicks. And game to game – it's actually really fun to watch this team. But when talking about the team, it's a little uncomfortable because they're actually really, really bad. Like, like it almost shockingly so compared for a team that went to the Western Conference Finals. And part of that has to do with they've been dealing with some injuries. And the other part has to do with the te- the players who are still on the team are all actually quite old and have taken significant steps back. Um 
Reggie Bullock being a key contributor, for example, just can't hit the broad side of a barn and couldn't stay in front of a chair these days. So they're winning, but they're winning in an uncomfortable fashion. So the Laker game that you just mentioned, if you watch that game live, it felt like a late 90s basketball game. Just a mud fight. Awful refereeing, foul after foul. Nobody could hit shots except for like the star players. Just it, it was fun, but it also wasn't fun if you're really into the team. Um, and so th there's just kind of this sense, uh, for me at least, and for the people that I cover the team with and for, there's a sense of malaise and wondering if the bottom is going to drop out. Um, there's, it, it's, it's pretty crazy because if you were to guess who the, who is leading the league in minutes, who would you think it is? If you're asking me that about somebody on the Mavericks, I would guess that it would be Luca, but I'm Luca is leading. Oh, he 37 is. and a half minutes. The next closest is Embiid. That it's actually 35. tracks, though. That tracks, yeah. though. I mean, I'll, be I'll bet Dame's up there, too. That's the thing. Like Dame? Where is Dame? I'll bet he's... because Yeah, he's you know, that... 17th at 36. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, this 36. isn't organized by minutes. I'm a moron. Dame is... Yeah, Dame's right up there. I yeah, lost that... him here. He's 17th at 36, just under 36 minutes a game. Yeah, and that's something that Chauncey Billups has talked about is just he would like to keep Dame's minutes in the low to mid-30s and not in the high to, high 30s to low 40s. It's just that they've had no, you know, they've had they've had so many injuries to their bench that they just haven't been able to keep his minutes as down as they would like them to. I mean, it seems like that's just kind of the, the same thing that Jason Kidd is kind of dealing with with Luka now. That's where it's right. like they really, and, it, and honestly, this is kind of, this kind of reminds me of like some previous blazers seasons where like the argument right now for the mavs as contenders and i don't think they're contenders i don't think they're on the on the on the level of like the, right. like the three the, the three teams in the west that i think we can agree are actually good right now are denver new orleans and memphis and yes. everybody else is kind of like in this huge jumble below that you know portland's 11th they're but they're four games back from fourth and, and you can make clear arguments against those three teams like very str sure. against those three teams, which sure. is, is, is this, I, I had a discussion last night. Is this what covering the East has been like for 25 years? Like, this is so weird. It kind of is because remember the, the year that, uh, because the, remember the, the West used to be like, mm -hmm. remember, remember the, uh, 20 was the, yeah, it was the 2013, 14 season Just where 50 games, everybody. Well, yeah, because that was the year that, like, the, the year that Phoenix had Dragic and Bledsoe, and they won 48 games and were the ninth seed. And then in the East, the uh, Hawks won, like, 38 games, and they played Indy in the first round. And, and that, that was what, that was, like, the peak of the just have one through 16 in the playoffs, like, discourse being the thing. My, my point is that, like, the argument for the Mavs as being a contender in the West is just. Luca is so good that it literally doesn't matter what they yep. have around him. Yep. And there have been years in the past where you could look at Portland and say, yeah, the supporting cast is kind of, you know, whatever. There was all these questions about it. But they have Dame, so that's a 45-win team. And then once you get to the playoffs, you take him in a playoff series against anybody else. It kind of feels like at this point in Luca's career, that's just kind of what they're giving him to work with. Which is crazy. It, it's, yeah. it's crazy because the way... The way you can – once you have a guy on a rookie contract, it is not – it is similar to NFL rookie mm. rookie contracts where if you have a super-duper star, by year three, you, you usually know. 
And so you have like a two-year window to sort of get your books in order before the salary explodes and it just becomes more difficult. Unfortunately, by trying to avoid the bird rights trap with a bunch of pretty good players that the Mavericks had on the team, they stepped in it anyway and they let Jalen Brunson walk for nothing because they were worried he was too expensive. And this um, is what they could have offered him. Was, what was it, like four for 55? Well, there, that was bef- before like the, the extension. And his right, father right, right. keeps his father keeps saying he was willing to sign it. And that strikes me as after-the-fact PR because right. he was really good last year and mm-hmm. he would have been crazy to sign it. Now, the Mavericks could have offered him the max, like a five-year, like $150 million deal, and they just opted not to. Which, if you look at the way he's been playing in New York, that wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world to do that. Right, right. And and so they, they let him go for free. Then they have a bunch of guys. Like If you were to go look at their books right now, they're over the cap for a long time, <laughs> to like 2025, with right. the players that they have right now. And so it's just they they have a bunch of really poor um, single. I like a lot of these guys, but they are single skill players. Um, and, and and you know, despite Luca having the ball a lot, just having someone else that could attack off the dribble right now would be like very very helpful. Yeah, and I mean the the way that they've tried to build this around Luca is so fascinating to me because. I mean, I think clear, I think pretty clearly, like, the... And I, I, I'm i sure this is something you probably don't even want to, like, go back and relitigate or whatever. Well, I but, do it all the time. It's part of my deal. Right, I like for relitigating. Sure. For sure. But uh, no, it, 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 I think the gamble that they took that just didn't pay off in Luca's rookie year was thinking that Chris Stapps Porzingis was going to be, you know... Because, you know, when they traded for him, he was out for the whole year with the ACL yep. that he had against uh, when he was with the Knicks. They thought that that was going to be the second guy and that he would get back to playing the way that he was playing before he had the the ACL. And that just never happened. And that was never a good fit. And he was never the same guy after that. And they ended up just getting off of that deal. And, yep. and, and but that was just kind of like the point where like, if that had worked out, if, if Porzingis had been the guy that he was in New York before the injury, then you're talking about something different, but that just never happened. And they've just been kind of trying to pick up the pieces. Ever That's since right. Then. That's right. And there was even something that happened before that, like the Dallas Mavericks during their entire franchise history have never moved up in the lottery. And in 2018, they fell back to five. Right. So in order to move up to three to draft Luca, they had to send a pick out. Well, and, and there were rumors that they could have taken Kent Bazemore's contract, but uh, Mark Cuban didn't want that. He denies that vigorously, but Mark Stein reported it, so I believe Steiny. <laughs> um, so if you think about it, they moved three draft picks to get Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Mm-hmm. In the spring of 2019, which is when that trade happened, yeah, you you do that. That's a good trade. I mean, paper. anything that involves you getting Luka Doncic is yeah. a good trade. Like, yeah, because you're you're theoretically you're set for the next however many and, years. And you've it got just your hasn't franchise worked. Guy. Uh, well, that's not fair because they made the Western Conference Finals. It has worked because Luka has made it work in spite of the fact that like the players themselves have all been kind of shuffled in and out. Um, and so it's, it's, it's just a little disappointing, um, because it's going to be very difficult for them to build anything, at least as far as I can tell, you know, maybe they'll pull a rabbit out of the hat, but they still owe a pick to the the Knicks for that Porzingis trade, which if it's, uh, if it's outside the, the top 10 this year, it goes to the Knicks. And so once that happens, it frees up some things, but as we've seen around the league, you know, the, the do you want to trade three first round picks for a guy like DeJounte Murray for it's, it just, 
I don't think so. I it's just really like it, it's been a, a harsh reminder, and, and obviously Portland fans know this. Team building is really hard. It, it you almost it, you got to be lucky way more than you got to be good. Totally, and honestly, the Mavs making the Western Conference Finals last year is kind of like the Blazers making the Western Conference Finals in. Yeah. 2019 there's a little bit of I mean it was a little bit of a different thing because with the with the Portland one you know you could maybe make the argument that they won that Oklahoma City series because Paul George was playing on two messed up shoulders but they did beat Denver and that yep. you know that was a pretty good that Denver was a big team. series with whereas with the Mavs last year it was like and then you know then they go up against the Warriors even without Durant like that Warriors that that Warriors team was just like a buzzsaw you're not you're not beating the Warriors in a series and then last year I actually going into that Western Conference Finals and maybe this was stupid you know, in retrospect, I thought the Mavs were going to win that series. And maybe that was just me overreacting to the way they just destroyed Phoenix the last couple of games of that second round series, especially game seven. But maybe that was really just more of a Phoenix was completely melting down than it was anything about the Mavs being that good. Yeah. I mean, a little bit of both. A little yeah. column A, a little column B. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you run into the. The Warriors last year, I think it's hindsight is going to be fun for them because they did not have a great season and they did turn it on like the Grizzlies punched them in the mouth and then they became a very good playoff team and just didn't back down for two straight series or three straight series and they won the title. So, you know, it's it's tough to winning the winning a title is tough. Building a team is really tough. And it's it's sort of one of these things where the Mavericks fans are now anxious because you know, with the way superstars go these days, if they're frustrated, they can ask out. Now, Luca is by all reports, an incredibly loyal guy. He's not really forced anything with the front office to date. He's not leveraged anything whatsoever. I think he was in on the kid hiring, but that's probably it. His mentor, Goran Dragic, didn't get brought on this off season, despite like very clear indications that that was something that both he and Luca wanted. So you know, there, there's still some things that he could do, but everybody's a little like mildly antsy because Luca's putting up by the numbers an incredible statistical season. It's it's just remarkable right. he's what just he's doing. Absolutely insane this year, yeah. So it, it it but you know, does that happen if he has another really good guy on the team? I don't think so. I mean, that's it's it's a it's sort of a catch twenty two. And and I've I, you know, like our friend Matt Moore says he thinks like this might be Luca's numbers season just to see what he can do. And then maybe he'll like put his foot down and say, let's, let's really try to build something here, but we'll see. I'm not sure. Is there a, so that, so you, you're, what you're saying is that like, there is talk, even if it's not based on anything, there is just like a feeling among whether it be, you know, the fan base or the local media or whatever, that Luca might be looking at the Mavs and being like, uh, I don't know, we'll see. Like, is this is 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 that something people talk about, or is that well, just something that is that something that people talk about because you think there's something there, or is it like this, or is it like a Dame thing where it's just something that people talk about because that's the only way people know how to talk about stars who haven't won a title yet? It's this honestly probably more of the latter. Yeah, but Mark Cuban's involvement with everything front office related and the Mavericks sort of PR machine which is very good at telling everyone that, oh, this will actually be good for the team. Oh, it will like, they'll be better without Brunson. We'll be fine. That sort of stuff has gone shockingly quiet. Whereas in years past, like you may remember this from, from 10 years ago, they built, they did everything they could to make a run at at Chris Paul and Dwight Howard. They like, they destroyed the title team. 
after Dwight Howard signed somewhere else, or I think no, he opted into his the last year of his magic deal. That's what it was. Cuban actually said we'll be better without him. And they're just masters at that sort of sell job. And everybody understands that Luca is not Dirk. So there's just a little bit of like trepidation of of wondering if he's going to be less patient because Dirk never put his foot down. The only thing Dirk ever put his foot down about was insisting that Rajon Rondo come to the Mavericks. And that was a terrible call (laughs) and a a reminder that superstars should probably stick to being superstars and not GMs. So (laughs) 